Why do they need to know how to add two plus two when they're five? Why can't they start with two plus two when they're eight? All this standardized education is where they're making one size fit all. Welcome to Big Little Choices. I'm Shri, and this show is about the amazing women and moms that all of us are surrounded with. Each episode will feature a woman that I admire and someone who has made a bold and unconventional choice because it's what's best for her and her family. This show is also about building community, so you can hear stories that make you feel inspired and empowered to make choices that are right for you. I hope you enjoy the show. Neha was born and raised in Iowa until she was in middle school when her family decided to relocate to India for a few years before moving back to the US again. And these transitions played a role in shaping her confidence. Neha was the only brown kid in an American school and often made fun of, and then the only American kid in an Indian school where everyone thought she was very cool. This made her believe that no matter what she did, she fundamentally stayed the same as a person and it was just other people's perceptions that kept changing. And in the long term, this helped her make unconventional decisions without feeling like she had to do anything just to please someone else. Neha and her husband are both doctors, and after she finished her residency in New York, they decided to move to Tennessee. Neha's unconventional choice is that she decided to homeschool her kids. Not one, not two, but three. Here is her story. When we moved to Tennessee, my parents were living there. That's why we moved there. And so for the first six months, we were still in the process of getting a Tennessee state license and finding a job and everything. So we stayed with my parents and my son was with me. And for me at, at that time too, it was like, should I put him in school or preschool? But I, it was hard for me to wrap my head around the idea that he would have a better experience and education in a pretty, what I think, an artificial setting versus the very organic setting he was in at that moment, living with both his grandparents and his parents. And so I continued, like, we, we got to know neighbors, um, and there was a luckily a neighbor's child that was about his age, so he got to be friends with him and just spent a lot of time with parents and grandparents for those six months. Then when we finally settled down uh, with a job, that was a little challenging and like what should I do for him now I should probably put him in daycare he was about three and a half at the time um, and I tried to put him into one daycare uh, and I didn't like it because it just seemed like their focus was on keeping the facility clean which seemed counterintuitive in my head to having a child or children in that facility and so I switched and went to another one that looked a little messier, that looked a little more like kids got to do what they wanted to do kind of situation. But we tried for um, two weeks, and he, at the end of two weeks, he was not happy at all. I talked to friends. I talked to the preschool people. They said, you just need to give it a little more time. He'll be fine. And I, I did it at the two-week mark because the preschool said that at two weeks, if you don't say yes or no, then we take your deposit. I'm like, all right, we'll try two more weeks. We tried two more weeks, and I arrived at the, approximately that end of that month, the end of a two-week period, and he was curled up in a ball, hadn't taken off his jacket all day, you know, dried tears on his face. I said, I'm sorry, we're not coming back. I don't know what we're going to do but we're not coming back. And they said, well, it's too late to take your deposit back. I'm like, you can keep my deposit. I wanna keep my son. And so I took my son home and then I started thinking about what else to do. And I worked part-time at, at that time and I found babysitters to come help me out. He enjoyed being home with the babysitter much more than going to a daycare. 
and then the days he wasn't uh, with the babysitter, I was home with him. Um, and it, slowly, every day that that we were in Tennessee for approximately three years, and I think every single time I went to work, I would think about it. That is this what I'd rather be doing, or would I rather be home with my child? And I slowly came, it took me a long time, but um, over the course of three years to come to the realization that I'd rather be home with him. Even though when I was thinking about that same thing when I was at home with him, the end of the day I was exhausted. There's that grappling with what was my role in this world today. I didn't make any money. I didn't help anybody. I didn't do anything useful by society's standards. Um, Just hung out here with my child all day. So I had to balance, is that challenge harder or is going to work and feeling like I'm away from my child all day harder? And I found that being away from my child was harder for me than staying at home and grappling with those bigger issues. So when we moved here to California, I had a two-month-old. My second child uh, had been born by then, and I decided I wanted to stay home with both the boys. And Um, how old was your older son at this point? He was six. And he hadn't gone to school of any sort Mm-mm, like that? No. So between three and six, yeah. between you know the couple of bad daycare experiences you had and him being six and you moving to California, at any point did you have to reconsider this choice of sending him back? I, when he turned or was about to turn five, that's when everybody goes to school, um, I thought about, shoot, I need to enroll him into school. There was a public school down the street from us. Uh, I happened to go there to, I, I'm not sure if I made a formal uh, tour of it or if I happened to go there for some other reason, but I remember seeing the Ten Commandments on the wall. And it just got me thinking uh, about how important is it for him to go to school when he's five years old. I remember me going to school when I was five and six years old. And I think if I hadn't done that, where would I be today? Would I actually be in a worse off situation than I am right now? Was it that important that I be in school when I was five and six? Or would I have done just fine even if I hadn't gone to school that early? And in my head, I mean, at every point whenever I made a decision, I knew that I could be wrong. But I had to go with what I felt was right at the time. And I felt like I don't think I would have been any worse off. If anything, I think I would have been better off because I would have had a better relationship with my parents. I would have felt more secure. It took me a long time to feel really secure. And I think some of that is just having the child or children pushed out before they're ready. And he was not ready. He did not want to go. And I felt like if he doesn't want to go and I don't want to send him, what is it that I am feeling the need to send him to school for? And at no point did you feel the need to conform to these societal standards of your child has to be, like you're saying, in school by kindergarten by he's five, mm-hmm. in school by he's six. How did you deal with that? Um, luckily, there was internet by then. So I did a lot of online researching. Uh, there was a lot of, um, you know, what kinds of different schooling options are there. Um, and, and so there's, you know, because in my head, I only knew about private and public schools. And so I started researching those two. And in that... Um, in that process, I found homeschooling. And when I looked at homeschooling, it seemed overwhelming to me. That was not the role I wanted to take for my child. And can you talk a little bit about what homeschooling entails? So homeschooling, there it's just a really, really wide, big umbrella of schooling outside of actual school, education outside of actual school. And within homeschooling, you can 
recreate school at home or on the other end of the spectrum, there's something called unschooling where your, your child's interests are what help drive what your child's education would be. And the basic assumption that all children are curious and want to learn. And if those two things, if you believe in those two things, then um, unschooling is what I think you would probably be drawn to. Unschooling spoke to me, and I needed to research it to see if I wouldn't be messing up his life. And I read a lot. There were many books that I read. Um, and there were lots of online uh, groups that I joined. Um, I met people in person. There are many conferences that happen throughout the country about homeschooling and unschooling. So I attended a conference or two. And one piece of advice that I got that really helped me get started was that even if you make that choice right now, it's not something that you have to live with the, for the rest of your life. You can always change it later. So, I mean, it goes both ways. Somebody that puts their child in school doesn't necessarily have to keep that child in that particular school or that, you know, if they're in public school, they switch them to private school. Same in this. If you decide to homeschool one year, you can always switch and put them into school the next so that gave me some reassurance that, okay, if I don't put him into school when he's five and I decide that I think it's best for him to be in school when he's six, then I can put him in school when he's six. So it wasn't a life sentence. So that helped me get started. And then every year I would reevaluate to see if we wanted to keep going. So the other piece I want to ask you about is the cultural pressure of mm-hmm. education, right? Mm-hmm. And especially coming from Indian families where there's a certain expectation of education, the kind of colleges you go to, the kind of careers you ultimately Mm -hmm. end up choosing. Did you have to face any of that pressure from either your family, your spouse, your parents, like any of them? I think there was a lot of um, talk about this maybe, but not directly with me. I guess there were probably a few reasons for that. I mean, I remember hearing whispers here and there about why would you give up your career that you have you know, work towards for all these years. I mean, you're on the verge of making a six-figure salary, and why would you not do that now? Um, what a waste of your of education. To how will your child be able to socialize and make new friends and learn anything? What really got them okay with everything is the fact that my son grew up and did okay. That he is very socialized and he knows how to read and write and do math and he does fine. He's there's no he's on par with any other peer that is in his life. At any point did you feel like it was a huge burden on you in the sense of like a responsibility to make sure that your child was caught up to whatever his peers were doing at that time? And did that ever feel like this is too much. What did I get myself into? All the time. That was a constant. Am I going to mess his life up? What's going on? He's been playing Minecraft for two years straight. I mean, what's going to happen now? (laughs) That was constant. Um, But having the social support that I had, uh, both online and in real life, because in, and especially the one that was in real life that have um, children that were older than mine, and seeing that they did well, they didn't need eight hours a day, five days a week of going to school and doing two hours of homework every day to be able to be, to get to where they want to be. Um, I, it reassured me. Um, statistics about other homeschoolers about how they go from no math at all to 
being able to do algebra and trigonometry and, and, and calculus within a couple years because they're old enough, they're mature enough, their brains are ready for it. it. Those kinds of things reassured me. Of course, it was reassurance. There was no guarantee. And I knew that I was getting into that. There is no guarantee. But I felt like there is no guarantee in school either. And, and there are plenty of messed up children in school. Uh, both educationally and socially, you know, and I felt like I was almost guaranteeing that socially he would be okay. He might be a little messed up educationally, but maybe not because socially, if he's well adjusted, I felt like it's hard to mess up educationally. It's easier to do it the other way around. And now in hindsight, I feel like that was it was sound thinking that he always knew that I was there for him. And no matter what pickle he would get himself into socially or educationally, I would find a way to help him. I was there as a support, as a facilitator. It was his primary responsibility, but he had support and he never felt like, you know, he would be floundering without any kind of help. So that I think has helped him be able to achieve his educational goals. And like Neha said, her son did achieve his educational goals. When he was 16, he started taking a few classes at the City College of San Francisco. And with the exception of one class where he got a B for not participating enough, he was able to score A's in all the other courses he took, math, chemistry, Spanish, world history, etc. And this was amazing to hear, because it meant that sure, he was a really smart kid, but if you were to give his method of education any credit, it meant that homeschooling worked just as well. But in the early years when he didn't take any exams or classes, Neha had to find other feedback mechanisms to see if she was making the right choice or not. I spent so much time with him that I got all the questions. You know, how does this work and why this and what this? And I personally think that that curiosity and those questions are a better indicator of learning than any test could ever tell you. So I would sit and watch TV with him. I don't know how many episodes of Zabumafu and Wild Kratz I've seen with him, how many times I've watched the Shrek movie and the Cars movie with him, how many times I saw so many different, I mean, I, anything from very obviously educational to not educational almost at all by anybody's standard. But because I was sitting there and watching with him, I knew kind of how the wheels in his head were turning. I, 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 at some point, I think I even got to the place where I could predict what question he was gonna ask me before he asked me that question. I could see that the learning was happening. I was reading with him the, the things that he found interesting. I would, I, in my head, I'd know if it, if it was age appropriate or not. I would know when to push him into a little bit of a discomfort zone. Because it's, sometimes it's easy for us to fall back and, oh, I know how to do this. I'm just going to do this. And I'd be like, no, I know you know how to do this, but I know you're capable of something else, and so I'm going to push you. So I think it really boiled down to my relationship with him and knowing him so well that, um, you know, for example, he didn't know yet how to read when he was six, and it, it caused me some anxiety. I was an early reader. I'm like, why isn't he reading? It's, he's already six years old but he was very interested in, in us reading to him. There was no indication that he would not be able to read. 
and everything I read, online support, in real life support, they're like, why does a child need to read when they're four or five? Why can't they start reading when they're seven or eight or nine or 10? Why do they need to know how to add two plus two when they're five? Why can't they start with two plus two when they're eight? All this standardized education is where they're making one size fit all. And I'm like, yeah, my kid is really into dinosaurs right now. Let's just learn all about dinosaurs and let's go to the museums and let's read about you know, let's watch videos about the world and all that kind of stuff. So he'll know he'll be an expert on dinosaurs when he's five instead of knowing how to read. So what? So that's how I approached it. I being confident that he would be able to do it when it came time just because I knew him so well. Homeschooling means that you have to have an enormous amount of discipline as a parent to make sure you're facilitating the right education for your kids, to make sure that you're always on top of your game and understanding what your kids' needs are, and also be willing to spend an enormous amount of time with your kid. And that clearly comes with trade-offs when it comes to your ability to get personal time, to focus on your career, or even socialize with other adults. Is it a compromise? Is it a price you have to pay for making that choice? Neha had her own perspective on this. I think one life is not enough for any of us and we all have to make choices about what we ultimately want. If we decide that we want a career and we want socializing to the extent that we want it, whatever it, that may be, then we're trading off something else. For example, in this case, I would be trading off time with my children and I would be trading off you know, knowing them as well as I know them. So it was really, and it really is for all of us, whether we're conscious of it or not, we're trading off. In my situation, I was more conscious of it, that how do I want to trade my time? Do I want to trade my time by working and furthering my career and having more me time, more social time? Or do I want that and trading it for time with my children versus having the time with my children and having less me time and having less career goals and advancement? And it's a personal decision for everybody. Um, it's It takes some real introspection and thinking about what will ultimately make you happier. And to me, my answer was that by spending time with my children and knowing them and not having the regret that I hear from so many parents that I wish I had spent more time with my children. And I also felt like when my youngest is out of the house, when she turns 18, I'll be approximately 50 years old, I still have a lot of time to socialize. I still have time to work if I wanted to work. I still have time to do things that I could have done when I was younger that I just do it when I'm older because I can't do it the other way around where I hang out with my children when I'm older because they'll be gone at that point. I am so excited to share this episode because not only did I learn so much about an unconventional form of education, but also loved hearing Neha's conviction in making a choice that was best for her and her kids. Neha's son goes to college next year, which marks the end of his homeschooling. We wrapped up our chat with some final thoughts on how her son feels about her unconventional choice. I think it's still too soon to tell. You know, it's what he perceives it to be in the he's 20 or 30 or 40 years old and looks back and says, thinks about his schooling as to whether it was the right choice and whether it's successful or not, truly. But from my perspective right now, I think it was great. I think he's a very secure, confident young man. Educationally too, he knows what needs to be done. He, he gets the grades that he is shooting for and he is looking forward to getting out in the world and just doing things. And I feel like that is 
at this point is, is a sign of success that an 18-year-old boy or kid would be ready to be, face the world, to be out there, to be ready to learn more, want to know more people, learn from people, learn from the world. That's what he wants. And I feel like that is what, to me, is a success at this point. Thank you for listening to this episode and I hope you enjoyed it. I'll be back soon with another interview. And until then, if you have any feedback or comments on the kinds of choices you want to hear more about, let me know.